you're doing dynamic stretches that mimic the movement you're going to be doing during your sport, during your weight training session. And movement preparation and the science behind movement preparation has really helped everyone from athletes to just your average everyday gym goer. Welcome to an episode of the Interesting People podcast. Today I'm joined by Martin Silva, the fitness director for One Life Fitness. Martin, how's it going? It's going pretty well. I'm uh, excited to be here. Thank you so much for joining us. And I also want to mention that One Life Fitness is the official training center of Team WFRE, our running and fundraising team. So if you want to join out, be able to check out One Life Fitness as well. Let's get to your story. So you're a fitness director. Does that mean you're also a personal trainer? So yes, I'm in charge of all of the personal trainers, all the fitness department at One Life. I started out my career as a personal trainer for many years, before I transitioned into a management position where I have one or two clients that I keep just because it's fun to train and, you know, I like to keep the tools sharp. But overall, I'm more of a management position and overseeing the other trainers and helping develop them. So you're training the trainers? Correct. Practical question. Personal training. How hard is it to figure out what's the best for each person that comes into exercise? We always start with our smart start session, and that's included in the membership for anyone who joins One Life. We sit down, we review your medical history, exercise history, kind of get a sense of who you are and where you're coming from, from an exercise standpoint. Then we take you through a couple assessments, range of motion, movement, strength-related activities, give you some nutrition basics, and that helps us if the person decides to pursue personal training, develop a well-customized program for them. Let's go back a little bit. All right. How did you get into personal training? So I was really active in sports my whole life. I grew up playing soccer, uh, tennis. After high school, I got into recreational football leagues, but I never really lifted weights until about college. I went to University of Maryland initially, got into lifting weights there, basically trying to do what I thought was best, no idea of how to lift, (laughs) what to lift. And then I got certified about 10 years ago was my first certification, and it was through the National Academy of Sports Medicine, very well-known, respected certification. And I just started to learn so much more once I got the science behind strength training and just continued to take more certifications as I went along and learned more and more through application. So with the certification, is that like a test? What goes into being certified then? The NASM specifically, it's like a 120-question test. You need to go in a supervised test facility. Now, what leads up to the test is a bunch of studying. I'm pretty good at self-teaching, so I just read the textbook, took the test. (laughs) Some people choose to go through workshops and things like that. But everyone, at least at One Life, to just work as a trainer, you have to have a CPR. And a nationally recognized certification is the bare minimum. Everyone I've talked to over in the personal training table, so to speak, has that level of certification? Correct. That's the bare minimum. And then someone like myself who's been in the industry for a while, I have probably eight other certifications that I've gotten along the way. TRX suspension training, nutrition certifications, corrective posture exercises. I mean, there's just a million different directions you can go with fitness. I'm working on a certification right now for training athletes. It's a performance exercise specialist. Athlete level training has got to be like a world of difference to someone that just wants to do New Year's resolutions. Absolutely. And that takes us back to the smart start, why it's so important to do an assessment, to do a sit down before you just say, hey, we're going to start training, you know, without knowing anything about you. What's driving you to get these extra certifications? It varies from trainer to trainer. I have a lot of certification in posture, corrective exercise, because in a health club like One Life, that's the majority of people that come in. People who sit behind a desk all day, they get tight hip 
flexors, start to get low back pain. So helping people just relieve some everyday pain and tension is very valuable for most people. Yes, we get some athletes. It's fun to train the athletes, have them jumping up and down on boxes, you know, sprints, sled pushes, all of that crazy stuff. But it's not the majority of the people we see. Now I'm getting a certification that does specialize more towards athletes. Everything up to this point has been more towards helping the general population become more flexible, lose weight, improve your nutrition, because that's what I see on an everyday basis. So the desk lifestyle seems to be the biggest thing that gyms are taking care of right now? Absolutely. Desk lifestyle, our commute in each direction, it's just bad for your health in general, especially if you're not doing anything to counteract those compensations and bad postural habits that happen because of that lifestyle. So you've had a variety of clients over the years. What gets you the most excited about doing personal training with someone? Just that person's enthusiasm, that person's drive to get better. Because a personal trainer can lay out the best program in the world for you, but ultimately it's you that has to do the work and go through it. It's very different from investing in a television. You go to Best Buy, you buy a TV, you're walking out with a TV. You come to One Life, you invest in personal training, it's a service. We're going to provide you with the best tools to get to your goal, but if you don't actually come in and do the workouts, there's not a lot we can do for you. Seeing people that are energized about reaching their goals, getting to where they want to be, and helping them along the way. I have a client who I had a couple years back. I worked with her for about two years. She lost 120 pounds. It's changed her life. Now she's doing marathons. She's in the fun runs and all of those different activities, and she's a completely new person. When someone comes in, they're like, I'm a couch potato. I just work, all that kind of stuff. Is it helpful for them to have some kind of like sort of goal where it's like, I'd like to run a 5K or I'd like to do this or that or... Yeah, so it's a very common response I get when I'm asking someone's goals during our Smart Start session. A lot of times people give me a generic answer, I want to be healthier. I'd like to dive deeper and say, well, what does that mean to you? Does that mean being able to go up the stairs without getting winded? Or does that mean being able to squat 300 pounds? All right, what does that mean to you to be healthier? So I try to get a specific numerical goal, whether it's weight on the scale, body fat percentage, running a 5K and under a certain amount of time. That way I have something concrete that we can work towards. How much has personal training changed over the last decade? It's changed a lot. What I see now is just a much more scientific approach to movement preparation, flexibility work, and correcting muscle imbalances. Where before, I remember when I was growing up playing soccer, it was, okay, bend over, touch your toes, you know, stretch a little bit, jog around the field twice, and we're ready to play. Where now you're doing dynamic stretches that mimic the movement you're going to be doing during your sport, during your weight training session. And movement preparation and the science behind movement preparation has really helped everyone from athletes to just your average everyday gym goer feel better and move better during the workout, as well as helping prevent injury during physical activity. Is that making it more effective? Absolutely. So if I were to give you an example, it's very common. We talked about, you know, the desk job. All right, your hip flexors get tight and they're the opposition muscles to your glutes, your butt muscles. So when the hip flexors get tight, they tend to shut the butt muscles off. They're not working at full capacity. And your glute muscles are the biggest, most powerful muscles in the body. So if they're not working, every time you take a step, walking on the treadmill, every time you go down to a squat, a lunge, you're going to recruit secondary muscles like your quadriceps, your low back. And that's where injury tends to happen because you're placing this load on these secondary muscles that are really just supposed to be helping the glutes during the movement. But because 
the hip flexors are tight. They're keeping your glutes from working. Now your secondary muscles become primary muscles, and that's the easiest way to get hurt. Movement preparation would be geared towards loosening up your hip flexors, stretching them, and then doing a couple exercises to kind of wake your glute muscles up. So that way, after your warm-up, they're awake, they're working, so when you go to do your squats, your lunges, your cardio, then they're really firing at full capacity, you're burning more calories, you're going to be able to last longer on your sets, your exercises, and you're preventing injury. How true is the joke of people skipping leg day? (laughs) It's really very common among guys, especially. You know, because guys want to get there, get the big arms, the big chest, <laughs> you know, let's, uh, you know, do some bench press, let's do some curls, and leg day tends to be put to the wayside. A lot of people will tell me, oh, well, I do cardio all the time, Martin, I run, I jog, I don't need to work my legs. And that's a myth, because cardio endurance training is very different than strength training. You need to train the whole body, all the muscle groups, core, legs, chest, back, to maintain some symmetry, maintain good posture. If you just want to push, 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 chest press, shoulder press, get big arms, you're going to end up with this rounded (laughs) posture because you never do any back exercises. Your neck's stiff. You're walking around like a brick. And, you know, it's it's hard to stay balanced. So we always want to develop well-rounded programs, you know, of course, address any initial imbalances that someone has. But overall, once those imbalances are corrected, definitely train the whole body on a weekly basis. Are there any other kind of misconceptions that you hear a lot or all the time that you'd like to correct? People want to work on their core. Everyone wants the belly fat to go down. So what do people do? They come in and they do a bunch of ab exercises. And ab exercises are going to do nothing towards getting the belly fat down. The way I like to explain it to a lot of my clients is, let's say you have someone with 40% body fat, which is a very high number. They could do crunches and sit-ups and planks and side bends seven days a week, and they could have the strongest core in the world. But they're never going to see those abs because of all the fat that is covering them. Where you could have an 18-year-old guy with a metabolism that's super high, never done a crunch in his life, but he has 9% body fat because (laughs) he's young, he's healthy, he's active, and he's going to have a six-pack because the body fat is so low. Crunches, core exercises, they have their place in a workout program because you do want to strengthen your core for postural considerations, but it's not doing anything to reduce the body fat. The body fat goes down with a well-rounded program where you're doing cardio training, strength training, as well as good nutritional practices. Foam rollers. When did that become a thing? Was I just unaware of it? Because I feel like it was like two years ago, all of a sudden, foam rollers were everywhere. When did that really start getting into the game? So foam rollers have actually been around for a little while now. They have picked up in popularity. And the foam roller is one of the most common tools for self-myofascial release. And self-myofascial release is basically applying some pressure to the soft tissue to try and break up knots, trigger points as we call them. And that's the first step in improving flexibility and correcting muscle imbalances. Before myofascial release came along, everybody was like, okay, let's stretch, 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 stretch. But research has shown that you're going to improve your flexibility a lot more if you use a foam roller or some other form of myofascial release, then follow it up with the stretch rather than just doing the stretch on its own. There's other different ways to go about myofascial release as well. Lacrosse balls, tennis balls, softballs. They have all different kinds of rollers and new tools that they're developing. Pretty cool one's called the Theracane. It kind of loops around. You can get some pretty good spots in your back with it, but it all falls under the umbrella of self-myofascial release. Applying some 
pressure to the soft tissue and, you know, helping make it more elastic and then stretching it out to lengthen that muscle back to where it should be. Near the area where you guys keep all the foam rollers, there's like a cage? Yes. What is that thing? (laughs) (laughs) That is our stretching cage. It's not something that you have to use, but if you see there's a little diagram of a whole bunch of different stretches you can do. The cage can help kind of ground you as you turn and twist and bend in different ways to do a variety of different stretches. So that's basically what it's there for to assist in different stretches, both upper and lower body. You know, I'm sure CJ can also help you guide you through some of those guys (laughs) there. Because sometimes, you know, pictures are a good starting point, but you bend one way and you're like, oh, that doesn't feel right, you know. So getting CJ or another trainer to help out with that is always good. (laughs) CJ, let's check out the cage. Let's check out the stretch cage. With One Life, you know that place like the back of your hand. What are some of the things you feel are underutilized by uh, members? We have a ski mill. It's a self-propelled treadmill. And it's not something you see in every gym. A lot of people are just kind of don't use it because they don't know how to. You step on it and it starts moving. It has a resistance lever. So if you put high resistance, it's going to go slower. Whereas if you put low resistance, it's going to go really fast and might feel even out of control for certain people. But it's a great tool to use for interval training, resistance training. A lot of times I like to crank up the resistance all the way and just have people do a power walk where they're really driving through their legs against a lot of resistance. And then you can do 30 seconds of that, bring it back and do a 30 second sprint. So you're doing an interval style training on there, but you control the speed ultimately by how fast you're going. Very different than a treadmill where you select how many miles per hour you're going on that treadmill. And that's a very underutilized piece of equipment, I think, at our gym. Really, only the trainers or the clients of the trainers are the main people I see go on it. And then you guys also have like a boatload of classes too. Do you have a role in like the classes that are picked out there? Because it seems like every hour of the day, there's something going on in one of the rooms. Absolutely. Especially morning and evenings where we get our higher traffic areas. We have our group fitness classes, which there's Zumba and Bang for people who like to dance, shake their booty a little bit. What's bang? I'm not I know what Zumba is. I've never heard of bang. Bang is kind of a spin-off on Zumba, but rather than the Latin music, it's more hip hop dance style music. Workouts are similar. Not the same, but similar. Then we have, you know, body pump, which uses some light weights, a lot of squats, push-ups, rows. Most of the classes are geared towards cardio training. Even body pump that has some light weights is still more geared towards getting your heart rate up challenging you from a cardiorespiratory standpoint rather than a strength training standpoint. And then on top of that, we have our cycle room, which is a different area altogether. And we have sprint style training, which is awesome. It's like 20 to 30 minutes, high intensity interval training. If you need to get in, get out, get a good sweat on or our longer RPM classes, which lasts roughly an hour. People like the classes because, A, they don't cost anything extra. They're included in the price of the membership. There's the group atmosphere feeling, and you do still have an instructor leading it. So you can go in there without thinking, man, what am I going to do today? But I always tell people in the assessments that you should be supplementing your classes with some kind of strength training, which a lot of times people think, oh, if I do a class, that's all I need to do. And that's typically not the best way to go about it. It's a great way to get your cardio, but you want to do some strength training as well. And you can do strength training in a group setting. It doesn't necessarily have to be a solo thing, although it is for a lot of people. But we have semi-private training, which is three to four people working with a trainer. And it brings down the cost a little bit of 
as opposed to the one-on-one training, but you can still do a lot of strength training, very personalized session. That can still be a group format where you're doing strength training. People can like pitch in together and then get a training session. Yep. Though the community vibe that the group fitness classes have just on a smaller scale, because one of the main differences in small group training and the classes we offer is the instructor leading the class is doing just that. They're leading. They're doing the movements. The participants are watching and doing their best to mimic. But that instructor is not going around doing any kind of corrections because Mm -hmm. it would disrupt the flow of the class and there's just so many people that it's just not how the format is set up. Where the semi-private training, the trainer not only demonstrates what's going on, but because it's a smaller group, they can go around and say, hey, you're doing this wrong. We need to have you do this instead of that. And form is like the most important. Absolutely. The most important thing. If you're doing form wrong, you increase your chance of injury. But not only that, if you're not recruiting the right muscles, you're not going to maximize your strength gains, your endurance gains, and you're not going to burn as many calories. Because typically it's the bigger muscle groups that through sedentary lifestyle desk jobs tend to want to shut off or be inhibited, as I talked about earlier. So if you don't do your proper flexibility work, movement prep, and Mm -hmm. do correct form during the workout, you're not going to be recruiting those muscles and burning as many calories as you can either, which is a lot of people's goal, burn more calories, lose more weight. And you guys have a great group of trainers. I'm working with CJ. I know Gabby has met with Olivia a couple of times. Correct. So a lot of fun people. And it's real easy. The smart start is done with a trainer, right? Yep. The smart start is typically done with a trainer. Most of our smart starts go through either myself or the assistant fitness director, George, to try and give a consistent experience for most of our members. If we already kind of know where someone wants to go or let's say George or myself are not available you know our trainers do a great job with the smart start as well but the reason most of the time we like to set new members with myself or with George is because we are not going to be the ones training the members so You don't feel like you're stuck with the first person that you meet. You get to meet with us, go through your goals, and then we kind of guide you towards who would be the best trainer for you based on what you're trying to accomplish. We have about 25 trainers on staff. We definitely have the largest personal training fitness department in Frederick, so a lot to choose from. Some of our guys are really great with athletes. Our explosive performance program, Chris Campbell, Aaron, Coach Q, those guys work with Hood College, University of Maryland, swim teams, local baseball teams. They actually train the teams as well as sometimes the individuals. And you said explosive. They work a lot more with our athletes and they do a lot of the smaller group training. It says explosive performance and they do train athletes, but they also train everyday population in that small group format. You hear the term semi-private, explosive performance, kind of interchangeable. It's the same department of our training department. Talking about the gym, you guys have that really cool pool and like that huge basketball court. Yep. that's Which uh, which one do you use more? I use, I'd say more of the pool. I swam when I was younger. I probably don't do it as much as I I used to, but I try to dive in the water from time to time. Mm -hmm. I suck at basketball. So (laughs) basketball is not my sport. A lot of the other guys though, they play and it's cool because we have all those amenities on the first floor. Basketball courts open all the time. A lot of families like to go in there, especially on the weekends, play with the kids. I am very family oriented because of the basketball court and the pool. A couple times a week we have family swim, so we take out some of the lap lanes. Parents bring their kids. They can play in the water. And we also have our zone four in the kids club downstairs. We have probably the biggest kids club at any gym in Frederick as well with the huge jungle gym. My daughter runs all over around that thing, man. She, it's hard 
for them to keep up with her for sure. <laughs> yeah, that place looked, uh, that was part of the tour. I, I only kind of peeked. What else is in there? Big jungle gym, all kinds of toys. They have movies, Xbox. Oh, jeez. I mean, you name it. They have changing tables for the little ones. They have little rockers for the younger kids, help put them asleep. And we have all female attendees. All of them have at least a year experience, CPR certified. So it's a great staff there that we have. I know the hours are, it's like huge chunks of time. It's like, I think, uh, eight to noon and then four to eight? It's about that. Uh, depending on the day, it may mm. change slightly. But typically, yeah, we have a morning block and then an evening block. And then both Saturday and Sunday, we have morning time as well. Plenty of time for a parent to get in, get their exercise done. And then... Absolutely. And really cool feature we have is when you're doing cardio upstairs, there's a channel that you can turn to to see the kids zone. Oh, really? Yep. So, <laughs> you know, some parents their first time are a little bit anxious, go upstairs, do cardio, throw on channel 65, and you can see your little kid running around. Oh, there you go. Timmy's okay. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Oh, that's awesome. And I guess uh, one final thing, uh, nutrition. How big of a role, because we mentioned a couple of times, how big of a role is that in training and all that stuff? Nutrition's a huge part, and that's something we build into everyone's program. We try to address it based on the individual. It's at least half the battle, I Mm. would say. If you're working out five days a week, your cardio, your strength training, you're killing it, but you're leaving every day and going to Burger King, (laughs) it's going to be tough to make some gains. Now, things like water intake, protein intake, calories in versus calories out are some of the biggest things we try to help people with when it comes to nutrition. There are a lot of myths out there. I can't eat any carbs if I want to lose weight. That's a myth. I can't eat past six o'clock at night if I want to lose weight. The main thing that results in weight loss is you burning more calories than you're taking in over an extended amount of time. There's 3,500 calories in one pound of fat. So that means you need to burn 3,500 calories more than you take in to lose one pound of fat. Okay, that's, I've never heard that math before, but that's kind of (laughs) crazy. Yep, it basically does boil down to math. Jeez, oh flip. So 3,000, like I have my Fitbit on. It's been a while since I burned 3,000 calories. (laughs) (laughs) So it's not something that you would do in one day. Typically, healthy weight loss is losing one to two pounds per week. Mm. So that means that you're creating a deficit of 500 to 1,000 calories a day. So over the course of the week, you would have burned 3,500 to 7,000 calories more then you've taken in, and therefore you would lose one to two pounds. That's awesome. And with water intake, here we go. Let's let's continue to think. Things I see in the gym, the show now. People <laughs> holding around those gallon jugs of water. So water intake varies depending on your kind of individual needs. The old standard was eight cups a day. Mm-hmm. All right, but if we think about it, if you have a 350-pound, six-foot-five male, and you have a five-foot, 100-pound female, they're going to need different amounts of water. So we like to think of it in percentages of body weight. Typically, 50 to 70% of your weight in ounces is what you want to drink. So if you weigh 200 pounds, 50% would be 100 pounds, and then you want to drink that much in ounces. So your daily target would be at least 100 ounces per day. Now, people carry around the gallon jugs because it's an easy way to track their water. So if this person says, hey, I need to drink a gallon a day, I fill up this gallon and I take it with me everywhere I go, I know that I need to finish this whole gallon by the end of the day. And that's just how some people do to track how much water they're drinking. I myself, I have a half gallon jug, so I try to fill it up twice throughout the day to drink at least a gallon. 
Okay, that makes sense. I'm glad to know the the reason behind. It's, it's yeah, quite a spectacle. <laughs> it is. It is. And you know, a lot of times it's you know your more serious gym goers. You know that that you'll see with the the gallon, but it's no different than filling up a 20 ounce bottle. You know, six times. So it's just someone's preference in tracking their water. And this is more of that kind of like science that you were talking about, like hard numbers. We we talked about the hard number of calories. We've talked about percentage. And there we go. I'm loving the sciencey end of this thing. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of science behind fitness. That's exciting. Well, thank you so much for telling me about all this stuff. I'm excited to go work out again. I end every interview with the exact same question. What has you excited? What are you looking forward to? I'm just looking forward to the continued growth of our fitness department at One Life. Although I've been in the fitness industry for 10 years, I'm fairly new at One Life. I started there in September as the assistant fitness director, and I was promoted to the fitness director about mid-December. So I've only been in my role about two months. I'm excited about the changes I've been able to implement, training and developing a couple of new trainers I've brought on board and just continuing to grow our gym and our department to be the best training department in all of Frederick. That's fantastic. That's phenomenal to jump from just September to December. It's Uh amazing. Well, there we go. Here's to seeing you in the future. All right. Thanks for having me.